You're listening to Raising Anchor, a Rhode Island FC podcast. We're glad you're here. Hello, and welcome to Raising Anchor, your podcast and source for all things Rhode Island FC. I'm your host, Matt Entrican, coming to you on Thursday, December 14th. We've got even more player signings to cover, news that the stadium is growing, some updates on the schedule that we need to discuss, and some new teams joining the league while maybe others are on their way out. To help go over all of it, and just in time despite a bridge closure, is my co-host Jason Carey. Jason, how is it going? Oh man, you know spending a lot of time in my car lately <laughs> so so that bridge i mean it, it affects me too but it, i'm staying home for now you are living your worst nightmare unfortunately my position doesn't allow me to be remote maybe if i could do some weird mind control thing with an android or something but as of now i've got to spend an hour or so in traffic how i mean how reporting from the front lines here how bad is it so far going home is fine um, it's just getting there in the morning. It takes, it's been an hour each day, pretty much. I'd like to think that the Rhode Island Transportation Department intentionally waited to close that for two reasons. One, because it was my birthday and that would have really messed with my birthday vibes. And then second, I'm pretty sure the real reason is that the Army Navy game was going on at Gillette. So they just couldn't let that bridge, you know, quote unquote fail until the work week. I, I have no idea how we're going to get through that i the first thing i thought selfishly was when i looked at the timeline and i even made a joke on twitter that's going to bleed into the actual season starting if you know no matter when the actual date is which we will kind of you know hint at today with the schedule conversation that's going to go into march knowing how nothing gets done quickly in rhode island i'm going to still have to deal with this bridge in three months when we start, you know, act- actively playing at Bryant University. I am not happy with this at all. Are there any rivers that go up to Smithfield? We can just get some it's canoes, landlocked. canoes it's or something? landlocked. We're going to have to learn how to fly. Helicopters so, or not. Air canoes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was, uh, I don't know. It's it's just crazy that's happening. It's taken all of the noise this week. Uh, and rightfully so. It's, it's a big deal. It, it's a larger conversation. We're not a politic based show and i you know there's other things that we could ask but for now it's it's a huge inconvenience and problem especially for the residents on the east bay and uh i'm not i'm not all about it but that being said i did get to have a really good birthday i don't think it was as good as yours only because i didn't see godzilla but i will say for listeners who have never done it we did go and see uh the it's a wonderful life radio play at the gam one of my favorite movies of all time for the holiday season uh seeing it i've never i've seen plays i've seen musicals i've never seen a radio broadcast before that was a truly new concept uh for those of you that have never done it or you've been curious i can't recommend it you know enough unless you hate the movie it's a wonderful life which there are people out there there are some weirdos that hate it's a wonderful life it's okay if it's not your top five but they just hate it otherwise i would recommend it's some of the best time you could ever spend in rhode island yeah i uh didn't know what to expect going into it but I enjoyed it too. It it was uh, really well done. Was was It's a Wonderful Life on your top five of Christmas movies? In fact, what what's like your number one? My number one Christmas movie? I don't know. I mean, in my top five, maybe Home Alone, Die Hard. Um, you should have just stopped with Die Hard. That was the trick question. <laughs> Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Hashtag Nakatomi Tower. 
Yeah, anyone who says otherwise, I don't trust them. <laughs> so maybe we'll get Die Hard as a radio broadcast play next year at the game. Oh, perfect. That would be so good. <laughs> I think that end line might be a little difficult to pull off in a in a centered radio broadcast. But um, yeah, so a ton of stuff has has happened um, on top of the bridge closure. I you know again hashtag not an MLS podcast, but I do want to talk about the MLS Cup final for very specific reasons, and I promise we'll bring this back to Rhode Island FC. What did you think of the game? It was it was a pretty exciting game. Thought it was fun. We did shots for every goal. <laughs> like the idiots that we are, you know. So I don't know if we've said it on previous episodes, but we do have a tradition of doing wine shots if it goes to PKs. We just decided to eliminate that and not get to that moment in time and just do shots ahead of time. And look, it was like the first MLS Cup we watched together where we didn't have to go to PKs. So it, I think it works. Yeah, I, I, we had a gut feeling it wasn't going to get that far. So, like, let's just get started now. And it was still the birthday weekend kind of thing, so. Yeah, it was a combination of my birthday and celebrating soccer as well. So, all across the board, I got my birthday wish. I wanted Columbus Crew to win. I was telling people in the Discord, I think I mentioned it maybe on this podcast, that the crew were going to win it. And the reason why I've been saying that since we started doing these recordings was because we got insider information. When we talked to Coach Cano, he had doubled down before the playoffs ever began that Columbus Crew was going to win it all. So if you want to say uh, smart people making smart bets, if Coach Cano could recognize talent at the MLS level and predict the winner that far in advance, just imagine what he's going to do with the team he's building now. Yeah, impressive. It's like he could see the future or something. <laughs> or he spent time in the USSF Pro Course certification for coaching with a one Wilfried Nancy who you know won the whole thing. So... I guess he could have done that too. <laughs> do, do you think coach now owes it to Wilfried to show him, hey, look what I can do. I'm going to win it in my first season with my first team. Yeah, maybe it's kind of a friendly rivalry there. Oh, I'd, lo- I'd love to see it. And the other fascinating thing for anyone that's an LAFC fan listening to this, uh, I didn't realize it, but that was the third consecutive championship game that they've lost this season. There are so many competitions now in MLS that I, I've kind of lost track of it, you know, getting lost in the sauce, so to speak. But I didn't realize they've lost three in one season. That's a new record. That's not a record you want, of course, but you know, that's not great either. Yeah. I mean it in the in the same vein you could say it's impressive that they got there. But also there was some other is it some other crazy new competition announced? Like MLS is just out of control with the amount of games they're playing. It, it's kind of ridiculous. You know, I don't know I don't know if there's a new one. I, I think it was maybe a rebrand of CONCACAF. It's now back to the cup name, which it was 20 years ago oh okay but but you're not wrong and in fact it was so crazy because when the crew won by the way everything is calculated between the canadian cup between the open cup between leagues cup and then the supporter shield and conference winners somehow the new england revolution earned their way in to Concacaf cup so like i guess congratulations revs you, you won something you know good luck in your Concacaf trials ahead but it's just to your point there's so much movement in terms of competitions within that league it it is it's chaotic i i I don't enjoy that to be honest yeah and just to wrap up our hashtag not an mls podcast segment rumors are saying that bruce is he's back he's back bruce is back baby so this just is just ridiculous every club that's ever had him with the exception of the revolution are already like sending him love letters like hey come back we never we never forgot dc united LA Galaxy, um, they're all they're all saying, "Hey, what's going on? What are you doing, Bruce?" 
Yeah, we're not going to get into it, but that just makes me think that whatever it was was maybe not that big of a deal. It was just some beef between some people. Yeah, but I really want to know. Like, I know we say we don't care, but I really want to know that. Oh, yeah. they were in the Rebels were in second place at the time. Like, that was a sabotage of the highest order. So, having said that, not an MLS podcast. Moving on. I have a sweater update for you because you continue to wear that sweater when you come over here and I continue to not wear my sweater. I mean, I, I got to. It's, it's you know, it's pod day. <laughs> Thursdays are for the pod. Um, I still don't have it. Spoiler alert. Uh, I know where it is, but unfortunately there's a there's a broken bridge between me and it and I just don't have the patience to drive for two hours to go get my sweater. I don't know what I, I, I think. I think destiny has decided i will be sweaterless for this season the club's headquarters is pretty close to the water there i think you could just boat your way up there can't afford a boat so if you know but if anyone knows a boater please let me know why i need to go get this sweater what about a dinghy (laughs) it's a boat man it counts so that was great and then also too but speaking of really nice things that the club did they they sent us really nice gifts from the steel signing um I, it was a really nice. Obviously, we don't have pictures to show, but uh, they sent us pictures from the signing event, and they did a really nice, just a really nice gift on, on how they set it up and presented it. So, thanks to the club for the the steel signing pictures, um, and but not thanks for my sweater. But also thanks because I know you guys are working really hard. I know you guys listen to this, so please know that that's all in jokes and in love. And then uh, the last thing I we got to get to before we jump into the real news, uh, we had another player say the most important words that exist within this club yep it's uh i don't know what it is but it's just catching on you don't know what it is maybe it's just the greatest catchphrase ever invented <laughs> what are you talking about <laughs> joe burrito anchors up we appreciate you i can't wait to hear it from more people i i i think final validation will be when that is like a chant around the stadium that's we're gonna try to grow that organically but <laughs> Not not to say that the other ones aren't good, but it's just fun to know that something you came up with organically is growing outside of your control. Like it's not being it's not on stickers. Like we don't have anchors up on it. We just have our podcast name. So and I don't say it I don't like anchors up, say it's someone randomly on the street. So maybe that'll happen now. I don't know. But I don't know. Maybe we need to start. <laughs> no more hellos, just anchors up. Hey Bob, anchors up. Um you ready to jump into this news? Yeah, we got a lot. There's a lot to cover. Uh it's been a busy I feel like every week is gonna be a busy week. Which is problematic for us if we're going to take this break because the, there's going to be so much to cover. There really, there really will be a five-hour podcast when we get back. But this one came completely out of the blue. Didn't know it was it was arriving. But Burn Stadium at Bryant is expanding. Yeah. So uh, RAFC announced today that it's added an additional 250 seats to set up at Bryant University's Burn Stadium. New total match day capacity is now 5,252. The additional seats are being added to the east side field seat sections and the west bleacher sections that had previously sold out. Additionally, the club announced that it now has season ticket memberships representing all 39 of Rhode Island cities and towns. So first and foremost, the seats, that's all on the side that was opposite the main quote unquote grandstand, which was where they had space. It makes sense because originally I don't think that they knew that there was going to be that much need. If I also remember right, those were some of the more quote-unquote affordable seats. So I'll be really curious uh, how that shakes out for people that are still interested. Maybe they were priced out of the of the you know quote-unquote affordable ones and they didn't want to splash on the, the more expensive ones. So that's great news. It's not like they added luxury boxes that were you know strictly for corporate partners. But on this uh, interesting detail about season ticket members now representing all 39, 
Who do you think the holdout was? I, I think it was Block Island. Like, it has to be Block Island, right? Like, how is that person, as a fan, going to get to every game when they need a boat to get back to their home? I bet there was someone crazy enough to commit to it. It's probably something like one of the corners, like maybe Westerly or something. Oh, like it's too far. And yeah, so... they're just like, oh, it's more than 12 minutes times two. <laughs> Rhode Island FC, you got you to gotta spoil it for us and let us know who, what, what city was, was holding it down. Like what, what city was slacking off? In fact, what city had it on point? Who was the first season ticket member? They looked like they were very coastal, like on a beach somewhere. So it was probably Narragansett. I want to know who was the slacker. So let us know. Who who uh who who took so long to end up signing up to become season ticket members? But then the other thing that was really interesting in that press release we got was that uh they gave a headcount on the guild uh kit reveal event. They said it was three hundred and fifty people. I don't. I think it was more than it felt like it was a, a million people. To be honest, it was like it was super crowded. I had to do that thing where you know you hold your your drink or your water above your head so you don't spill it on anybody as you try to navigate through. Um, if it was three hundred and fifty people, I want to know one. Was that the fire code? Can the guild drinking hall fit 350 <laughs> people? Because it really like it really felt more than that. I think if you combine the outside, the VIP access, and it also seemed like some people were coming and going. I did see a decent amount of people who um just kind of took off after the uh the kind of the show happened and everything. Didn't stick around. Got out before the fire marshals could say shut it down. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. So any other thoughts on the expansion? Like, I mean, this is all, this is a good sign, right? Whether it's for season ticket members or just people for single day or group tickets, like it, needing to expand means that there's demand, right? Yeah, that's uh, great signs. Cause I, I, I imagine there's probably a few holdouts who are just waiting for 2025 stadium. So, but there to show that there's enough, like up over 5,000 people willing to go to Bryant for the first year, like that's incredible. I agree. And I, I bet you too. I mean, we've known fans in all of our soccer visitations that, you know, they just can't afford or, or they can't program themselves to be at every single game, right? So mm -hmm. they buy those group ticket or not group ticket, excuse me, they buy those multi uh, game packages. They they only can go to three or four, not because they can't afford it. It's just they have other things to do in their in their lives. Yeah. Or just trying to show up for maybe the big matchups and just watch some of the other games at home kind of thing. Agreed. So that's fantastic. And then speaking of watching things from home, the Nesson deal went through. It was finally announced. So we we were told early on, you know, we couldn't share the the partner, but we had kind of teased a couple of times that there was a uh, broadcast partner being put into the ranks. Um, Nesson finally came out and announced that they are the partner. It was really uh, fascinating. They didn't list a lot of the details yet. And I think that needs to get worked out because they probably don't know all of the mechanics yet themselves for the deal. And that comes down to the, the number of games they're going to cover. That comes down to the interaction with where probably the CBS deal covers certain games as well. We asked a bunch of questions and sent them out to, to Nesson to understand, you know, some of the things around blackout coverage, local coverage, uh, competing priorities when there's a game for, you know, the Red Sox on versus Rhode Island FC. And, and we'll get to all of that in the weeks to come um, because we just don't have that information yet. What I am really curious about, though, with the deal, or not curious, but it, it was it was kind of a, a, a back and forth with people online today and yesterday was that this deal provides local access to soccer at a greater capacity than any other soccer sport in New England right now because everything else is 
locked behind a paywall when it comes to subscription-based. Now, some people will say, well, Nesson is a subscription, but that's if you are a cable cutter. And, you know, I'm a cable cutter, so for me, I'm going to have to figure out where does Nesson sit inside other subscriptions, or do I need that instead of ESPN Plus? I don't, I don't know any of those details yet, and we'll find those out in the time to come. But one of the things that's always a problem for subscription-based programming is getting it broadcast at like local bars, local community places, any space where they rely on cable primarily because they don't want to buy multiple packages. And sure, the best sports bars, they do have them all. But, you, you know, you, you talk about a dive bar, you talk about maybe a local place, they're only going to have Nesson for the most part. Nesson or whatever the, the main, you know, five broadcast channels are to play a sports package. So from that standpoint, your cable people, your like the ones that go out and do activities where they watch sports in public. This is huge exposure. It's bigger exposure than Hartford Athletic, and it's bigger exposure than um, the New England Revolution. And from that standpoint alone, Rhode Island FC got this incredibly right. It's it's a huge deal. It's a paramount uh, contribution to growing the sport in New England, and it, it couldn't have been done better. Yeah, I think that's a good call. I, when we talked about this earlier, um, I didn't think about that. That in um in many bars they rely on cable, like you said. Some of the ones that are like like hyper focused on sports will have the ESPN plus subscriptions and all those other ones, but most of them are just gonna have cable. So if you have access to throw a soccer matchup in just random bars throughout New England, you're gonna bring a lot more heads to to see soccer and kind of hopefully grow the sport, especially as we've got that US World Cup coming up here in twenty twenty six. I remember we were watching, we attempted to watch a Manchester City game the other day at the Guild in Warren. They had a TV. We asked. They didn't have the subscription packages to play the Manchester City game, but they ad, they ended up having the subsidiary who does the Spanish version of the broadcasts for the Man City game. So we watched a Spanish subsidi- subsidiary, that's a hard word, um, play the game. But it, without that, we couldn't have watched a, an English Premier League game. Like that's the kind of ex- access that this is providing, and I think people really need to double down and focus on that more than, you know, the the quote unquote cable cutters out there that have all of their different subscriptions instead. So huge, huge win. Any any other thoughts there? No, um, I I just think it it is kind of funny thinking back about we did get at least I I don't remember what you may have said, but we we got the when we were talking about these deals, like I got them all wrong. Oh, when we thought it was the Apple TV package, like they would just continue to buy all the soccer and... And like when we talked about it uh, a few months ago or whatever, I wasn't sure if they were going to go with Nesson and they were just going to stick with ESPN Plus, but like all of those deals have changed. I mean, who, who else is it? Uh, NB or CBS now is doing it too? So CBS with their Golasso partnership. I don't know if that's Paramount. Like there's still so many details that they need to unpack. I don't understand how these will either compete with each other or augment and complement each other. You know, for 34 games, we may watch 10 of them on CBS, 10 of them on Nesson, and 10 on ESPN+. Plus. I hope that's not the case because then the cable cutters that are saying, well, this is actually a bad deal, they could be on to something. We need to find out more. Um, I'm, I'm just happy that I will have access to these games, but I would like to have, you know, if I can, if I can control a single point, of ownership to the access that would be fantastic so you know that that's still more to come uh we can't wait to hear back from from that group i am also curious though if you look at nesson's kind of correspondence team when it comes to the sports analytics and their breakdowns most of the sports that they cover have a team that covers these things we may be in direct competition now with some sort of sports anchor or, or commentator or, or pundit 
from Nesson, who will be talking about Rhode Island FC games. So we may have our first official. I didn't get a phone call about joining up with them. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we'll just hope that maybe they're just not a soccer person, so they won't know what they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But, you know, probably one of the other reasons why they can't really commit to talking about the games that they'll cover or showcase yet is because they're probably waiting, like us and everyone else listening, for the USL schedule. And uh, I think that's a perfect segue because we do need to talk about it. We have heard a lot of different rumors around the league from supporters groups to people who have seen quote unquote leaks. We've had some information shared that we can't quite say is true yet because it hasn't been finalized by the league. But having said that, the schedule is coming and whether it shows up tomorrow, Monday or sometime next week, it is on its way and it's very close. So for those of you that are, you know, just like hurry up, hurry up. We promise you that it's it's going to be here sooner than later. In continuation of that, I have also continued to hear that I don't think there are going to be a lot of away games before we see our first home game match. Uh, led, you know, originally we had said, hey, the, it's probably going to be five, six games so that we can get to warmer weather. I don't think that's the case anymore from what we've heard from other partners. I, I don't, we can't say the team names that we've heard about yet, but what we do know is, is that... I would anticipate that we will most likely see a home game when it's cold and it's wet in, you know, March or like the first week of April. Um, So that game will come faster than you realize. And uh, Rhode Island FC really needs to get their their winter water gear ready because those hoodies will not cut it on its alone. So still waiting for that puffer jacket that we saw at the uh, open tryouts. I hope I, I think it's like a $500 jacket or something like that. You know, we'll figure out how to buy it. But I I can't wait to wear warmer weather gear. We could make do with some RAFC branded ponchos to just throw over <laughs> some jackets. I mean, they've heard that idea several times on this. So whether or not those show up, that's on them at this point. Otherwise, we'll have to do raising anchor ones like the next week afterwards. Or just, just some other type of branded, you know, waterproof windbreaker type of things you can throw on top. I also have suspicions that the reason the schedule's not out yet is for something else that we'll cover a little later in the episode. But having said that, really excited. I've heard some great clubs from the West that we'll be going up against and traveling to. So I'm excited about some of those matches and then of course no matter what happens like we get to go and play tampa bay we get to go play miami whether that's a top team or not at the time it's still going to be really you know fantastic for people that want to travel down so you ready to move into some big news let's do it all right so uh, you know we we struggled and debated on whether or not to talk about this and i think for the importance of the league and for the importance of the competition that will be created here in New England, we wanted to talk about uh, Hartford Athletic's recent signing because it's a big deal. For those of you that are like, oh, Hartford Athletic, skip ahead like five minutes and, you know, move on. But for those of you that want to understand more about what to expect from our closest neighbors. So Hartford Athletic did a really incredible thing in signing New England native Brendan Burke as their head coach and general manager. So similar to Coach Cano, he'll be doing a double duty when it comes to the roles ahead. And Brendan Burke is no stranger to success, and he's no stranger to coaching in um, you know competitive soccer environments. He's spent eight years with the USL uh, in coaching different clubs and organizations, whether you look at his most recent stint with the Colorado Springs Switchbacks or the Philadelphia Union 2 when they were you know still a you know quote unquote feeder team in the league, or even the time before that when he was with the legendary Bethlehem Steel, um, where he ran in that club until it it basically got converted into a subsidiary of the Philadelphia Union too. I've used subsidiary twice now. Did I look at that? Are you proud of me? Um, 
<laughs> but then uh, most recently, he actually moved on or up, I don't know how you want to call this, into assistant coaching for uh, the Houston Dynamo. So what's really interesting to me is, is that this man not only has spent so much time in being familiar with the USL and how it works, but on top of that, he brought the switchbacks, which before him was kind of just like a whatever team. It was a mediocre team. He brought them to back-to-back uh, conference um, championships. Inter- well, I shouldn't say championships, but he brought them into conference playoffs, including Western Conference uh, competition. He was also nominated as a finalist for the league's Coach of the Year Award in 2021. So, like, this man knows what he's doing. And now on top of that, after leaving the switchbacks, he went on to join the Houston Dynamo. And guess what he's been doing over there? They just won the U.S. Open Cup against one of the quote-unquote hottest teams in the league. And then on top of that, they took fourth place in the regular season, going all the way to the Western Conference Finals before you know getting knocked out. This is not someone to laugh at when it comes to their pedigree or to the resume. I have to tip my hat to Hartford Athletic for going out and acquiring such a talented individual. And I, I really like that because you know he has a proven track record of excellence. He knows how to build teams. He knows what he's looking for when it comes to development. He's worked through youth academies up to senior teams. So it's not like he can't do it all. I have to say, this is, this is, I have to echo, this is a very good signing for them. And the reason I hate it is this is a very good signing. You know, I I don't want to say (laughs) that we were going to dunk on Hartford this year, but, you know, looking at the tire fire of a season they had, it was really easy to come into 2024 thinking, hey, like, it's ours. It, we didn't even have to prove anything. Just showing up, we were going to be almost automatically better because they had this, you know, Herculean effort of a climb out of, you know, the bottom of what they had built. I don't know that that's the case anymore. I think that this level of competition is going to, you know, quote unquote, lift all boats here. I think that this is not something that we can just walk through or take for granted. Not to say that Coach Kano would have done that, but I think if you had asked other teams around the league and their fans, they kind of looked at Hartford Athletic as an automatic three points for the entire season. This signing, this move, uh, it negates all of that. Like that was 2023. We're now into 2024. Yeah, like you said, it's it's a good signing for them. I haven't paid too much attention to their team if they are doing like a full rebuild or what's going on over there. I figure once we get closer to the season, I'll take a look at it and see what they ended up with. You know, they they are our rivals. So I hope we dunk on them, but also there there is kind of no fun in, in dunking on on someone who's just just down like that, you know, <laughs> like kick them while they're down to a certain extent. I think if you because the rivalry is is like we haven't played against them, right? So if we have a lot of success against them, if we have a successful rivalry and they're in that down period. Oh yeah, well you know we'll definitely take pleasure in just destroy, destroying them. But for that rivalry to kind of to manifest and create, like you know, it's it's that Thanos joke. Like if we're just score, like just dunking on them, it's like I don't even know who you are. <laughs> like you don't mean anything to me, kind of thing. So, like you said, for for the league, if if they are a somewhat competitive team as opposed to a tire fire, that's just better for us in the long run. I think. Right. Having a neighbor next door that you have to be aware of and you have to strive to be better than than versus just showing up and assuming it elevates our gameplay. It elevates the intensity. It makes those matches matter even more. And for the fans, that's that's what they want. That's the most important thing. I'll be really curious if we get the first Darby or if they get the first Darby, because 
whoever gets that first match won't necessarily set the tone, but it will definitely create higher stakes on the second come around, whether it's because you win there or you have to defend your fortress on the next one around. So it'd be really interesting to see what happens there. Yeah, so we'll just have to circle back to them and just kind of kind of see where they end up with a with their team and uh, look forward to our first game against them. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned you weren't tracking what they were doing. They've been they've been moving a lot of players in and out. They actually just picked up Anderson Asidu, which we thought may have been coming here. So wrong New England team, but they are they are definitely making moves. I don't think they're making as big of moves as we are. And we may have an even bigger move coming, which we'll kind of tease at the end. But I, I, I do, that doesn't mean that that their coach isn't cooking with the with the resources that he has. And you know, I'd be also really interested. The coach was just announced, right, Brendan Burke. But there's been signings the entire time. So was this always in the works? Like, is this something Brendan was like, these are the players I want, and we can negotiate my contract and and announce me when it comes time? I'll be really curious because I don't understand how you sign players when. There's no sporting director online. There's no general manager or head coach, but like someone went out and bought these players. Yeah, that is interesting. I, I wonder if they were just in the um, negotiation phase and, and they knew it was going to happen. It just it was a matter of time. Yeah, I mean, I've never been signed for a sports contract before, so that's something that escapes me. Speaking of things that escape me, uh, we have a new team that I almost forgot to put in the show notes that's joining the league. Yeah, so Sporting Jacks. The ownership group, including Tim Tebow, Fred Taylor, Ricky Kaplan, Steve Livingstone, and Tony Allegretti, unveiled its community-chosen name, Sporting Club Jacksonville, abbreviated as Sporting Jacks. They are joining USLC and the Super League in 2025, with a 15,000-seat soccer-specific stadium also being planned. Renowned soccer crest designer Matthew Wolf created their crest, what do you think like of that it. crest? Yeah. You like what about you? So listen, Matt Wolf is a legend in, in the soccer creation game. He um he's put out most of MLS's and and several really good USL ones. He didn't do ours. I still full credit to Nail Communications for um for designing ours, uh, which I think was is still better, by the way. I don't know. I here's the thing. The Jacks part screams the USA logo, right? It it just it has that that u.s uh u.s national team vibe uh the colors are fine I, I don't care about that i just i guess i'm confused with like the circle inside the shield has that ever been done before maybe i mean like like i said i i like it i don't love it but it does it has a nice clean look to it which i guess now that you say that makes sense because that's kind of like what mls is i think their abbreviated name is more fun than than that the sporting jacks Oh, I think they nailed that perfectly because you get to be like the formal. It's it's the business, and then there's the party version. And uh, I give I give full credit to the naming conventions. Whenever you avoid United or Football Club, that's you get a win by my book. And if you can find a way to pay homage to teams of you know older pedigrees and legacies and do something like a sporting model, I I love that uh, as long as it makes sense. It, I don't know enough about the Jacksonville area, but they kept calling themselves the First Coast, and uh, I want to I want to learn more about that. And I also want to find out maybe what were some of our our names originally. We need to make sure we unpack that when we get to talk to one of the owners. I'd love to learn what the alternates were. I, I know we joked, you know, several episodes ago about what we could have been, 
but I really kind of want to know now what were some of our options before we settled on RFC. Yeah, I'd be curious if we had any like really ridiculous ones that made it really far. What <laughs> if we could like... have been sporting our like sporting Rhode Island? I mean, you know, with I... all the sporting club Portugal fans in the area, they like would have loved that, it. Yeah, they might have loved that. They would have yeah. loved it. You know, Rhode Island Benfica. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, you know, with additions and newness comes um, potentially some demise. And listen, for everyone, before they go run to the the internet and say, Raising Anchor said it first, I don't have any proof of this, but I'm getting closer and closer to the belief that Rio Grande Valley is is going to be done. Uh, They just put up a post today where so many of their items in their shop were on clearance at like 40% or more on discounts. And it just reminded me immediately of the San Diego Loyal where we picked up some gear as they were shutting down. And the club hasn't come out and said it. None of their supporter groups have said it. In fact, their supporter groups and their media press have said, no, we're this is just them changing vendors. And what you can't sell, you know, Puma's kits if you're switching to Adidas or, or whatever it was. I think one of them said to me online. So I don't know for sure. I just know that when you look at the transfer trackers, which is something I'm keeping like my left eye glued to, they haven't made any moves whatsoever. In fact, they're one of only two clubs who haven't made any announcements. And the other one being the Las Vegas lights. The difference with the lights is is that they are posting like every two days about promotions, about opportunities, about things that they're going to be doing in 2024. So they may not be talking about their players or keeping that close to the vest, but they're active every day. Rio Grande Valley hasn't made a post on their social media since the since the championship final. And so to me, having only one post in almost 30 days, having no conversation about players with the exception of Wilmer Cabrera, which was the post when, you know, he left and departed the club. I just don't think it's a good look for the Toros. And if they are folding, I don't know what that has to do, you know, what that impacts us. Maybe that's why the schedule hasn't come out. I mean, I'm just I'm grasping at straws here. But what I do know is, is you picked them to win last year. And now they're gone. So, Jason, is this your fault? Did you do this? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I I actually did a little research myself, too, and I was finding a lot of uh, upset RGV fans who were kind of asking questions about all the silence. And I do remember coming across um, a Reddit post maybe a few weeks to a month ago saying that RGV was having some trouble and someone was speculating that they might not. They might not last. I'll be curious to see what happens. Um, it's unfortunate. You never like to see a club uh, get to my, especially two in one season. That's not great. Agreed. And and that's that's not how you treat fans. At least Loyal went out with the dignity. They their head held high. Uh, if if RGV goes away quietly in the night, that's that's not what you do for fans. That's not the way to approach it. And you know, shame on shame on the ownership if if that's the decision or the approach that they're making for this that that's not the way to do it yeah and i think we'd mentioned this in one of the recent pods it's it's unfortunate that there there's a lot of interest in the league we just talked about another new team coming in but i think you're finding that maybe some of the other teams where their owners are not a hundred percent bought in are kind of struggling yeah no i listen like you said i i hate to even have to talk about it and i hope i'm wrong um, but it's just not looking good. So, should we turn things? Should we turn this frown upside down and talk about more positive things? Let's do it. So yeah, so we have some player signings. Uh, again, the Rhode Island FC's most poorly kept secret. Uh, Gabriel Alves uh, has joined the club officially. So, like we said last week, and others had reported, the 24-year-old Brazilian left back uh, joins us from his most recent stint being at Birmingham Legion. 
uh, where he played over 1,600 minutes with 18 starts and nine yellow cards. Nine seems like a lot of yellow cards, even for a defender. It maybe it just depends how they played. It might he might have been the last man a lot of times and kind of been responsible for tactical fouls, kind of thing. So I'm glad you you mentioned that because speaking of tactics, one of the things that I saw that I was was really interesting was he uh, he started a majority of the season in his in his starts, but then about halfway through, he got converted to um, someone that was subbed for the back half of the season. And I'm kind of curious. I don't know if there was more talent that was brought in, if he wasn't playing to the level of expectation of Coach's former team, um, or if maybe there was just stronger competition or a different formation change. But he he moved almost to this like super sub that would come in to close out games, whether they were winning or losing. I, I didn't see any kind of pattern there. Is that something that surprises you, or is that something that we need to like mention or, or comment more on? Like, I don't... I don't really know his he's only played for one season coach obviously sees something he knows what he saw in his performance there is is someone who doesn't start every game uh, a watch out as a start as you know potentially a starting left back um I mean I'm not too worried it it's it was his first year in the league um and I, I also just don't know I, I did watch some highlights look into a little bit of his career but like did he have maybe an injury or something or like you said maybe the coach just started to go into a different directions. There are a lot of times where good players just get left out because they just don't fit into the system. So it, it could be a lot of different things going on here. Yeah, no, I, I don't know. That's why I just asked the question because he, he it's like it was just a complete switch from starting playing the whole 90, uh, you know, coming out and, you know, with like 10 minutes to kill in the game and then suddenly switching into that, you know, sub at the 65th or the 75th, 75th minute himself. So it was an interesting call out. Um, I also thought it was really interesting that he can play both the midfield and be a defensive back. It was listed as such with Rhode Island FC. So kind of curious to understand what the club will be doing to use him in whatever role they see fit on on that one as well. Yeah, maybe that's like the uh, Zinchenko thing. You start at left back and you just kind of slide into (laughs) into midfield. I don't know. Maybe we're going to be really crazy. But I guess realistically, he could also maybe just be a backup kind of thing. I hope not for for the effort and the the purpose behind it. You, you would hope that well, that. Sorry, I should say backup for midfield. You oh, know. I got you. He'll got be you. who he will be the left back, but he could also slide into midfield maybe in case of an injury or a red card or or something. Got it. No, I I I think that makes a lot of sense. I I I love players that have versatility like that. I actually spent a lot of time watching his highlight reels, um, in in both his USL playing time as well as some of his time. Uh, at Marshall University, where he just recently graduated, uh, and after playing collegiately for the Thundering Herd, great name by the way, Thundering yeah, Herd, that's a great name. That should be a USL club name in and of its Rhode Island Thundering Herd. <laughs> but no, it was it, he. He seems like a great fit. We've already been talking uh, in DMs on on Instagram. I've already given him the entire rotation of important places to go eat, so he's got that covered now. Um, but I thought I, I have to say this, and it's it's so awkward to have to say. But in his highlight reels, and I think you have a little bit of a story to share with the next player, uh, a majority of his largest reel was time spent playing against Hartford Athletic. And he spent a lot of the a lot of the reel was him just burning or stopping the right wing of Hartford Athletic. Any guesses on who played right wing for Hartford Athletic in that game? 
uh was prince 80 yeah yeah so he uh his some of his biggest highlight reels are him playing up against his now current teammate so i mean that could be good in the sense that you know he's not playing for another team and he's not burning him (laughs) oh yeah and i mean you know you only show your best so for every burn that he did to prince prince probably burned him back like that's what you just have to assume but yeah so i thought that was i thought that was ironic that uh you know the two the two had their biggest moments uh, against each other in his highlight reel. So fun to see what kind of camaraderie that builds between the two players. Yeah, maybe a friendly rivalry there, uh, racing each other and training sessions, stuff like that. Oh, yeah. I almost need to go back to Prince's highlight reel now because I didn't catch it the first time. And because, again, his reel, Gabriel's reel was like five minutes dedicated to Hartford out of his entire playing season. I need to go back to Prince's now and see if he uh, if he burned a certain left back uh, when they played, you know, uh, to Birmingham on either the home or away leg. So we got another one here too. Another one. Yep, two signings. I'm I'm digging these like two developing signing players every week. I love it. Like let's keep this momentum forever. Let's just keep signing players. You know, unfortunately, there'll be one point where our squad will for all intents and purposes be done <laughs> no coach said the roster's never done being built so yeah player but will i just mean go we, away. Can't, we can't just keep signing we players. can keep signing the money is infinite <laughs> all right so let's jump into this so we got ourselves mark ibarra a 24 year old defensive midfielder we, we did it we did it everyone we can close the books we got a dm we're good we did it everyone jason <sighs> predicted it last week we needed a dm coach went out and got it he's clearly listening to us so we've got our defensive midfielder. Let's go. All right. So we, we've signed USL midfielder Marky Barra. Uh, he played in over 65 matches across two seasons for the 2023 USL Championships Player Shield winning Pittsburgh Riverhounds. That is a mouthful. Say that five times fast. <laughs> Including appearing in all 34 league matches for the Riverhounds in 2023. The midfielder played collegiately at the University of Michigan, where he is the second in all-time assist for the Wolverines. Go Wolverines! Six yellow cards and scored one goal and four assists. Where did he score that one goal this year? So he also scored a goal against Hartford, just like Gabriel Alves. <laughs> <laughs> that, so now we know what coach is really looking for. Yeah. <laughs> it's not oh. about winning the season. It's not about winning the cup. It's not about anything other than how hard can you dunk on Hartford Athletic. <laughs> Just put a compilation of all our players' highlights of them scoring against Hartford. <laughs> <laughs> but all all jokes aside, I I can't think of a better pickup. I mean, not the most glamorous, but you never get a glamorous defensive midfielder. In fact, if if you're a really good defensive midfielder, you almost are not invisible because you need to be everywhere on the pitch to stop things, but the things that you do that matter aren't going to be the the tracking stats that, you know, it's not XG, it's not it's not minutes, it's not possession. It's really like how many how many clean sheets or how many goal threat reductions did we eliminate? That's that's a defensive midfielder's true kind of core tenant. Um the fact that we went out and got the best one in the league in terms of minutes played and time spent, I I think I think this is a very quiet but good signing in the sense that it's not sp- it's not flashy, but it's exactly what we need. And like what you had said last week, that if we're really going to play a true four three three, we need potentially at least someone defensively that can keep that you know core shape and and support the back line uh, as we play out. Especially we're going to be playing out the back with Koke. Uh, it's it's huge. Yeah, like you said, uh, defensive midfielders aren't flashy. 
you know, you think of some of the greats like Sergio Busquets and now like Rodri over at City, you know, how many people, you don't see lots of people wearing their jerseys or they don't score tons of goals, but it's, it's what they do for the rest of the team that makes them so important. Yeah, no, I, I think this may be one of the most impact signings. I think kind of just to, to level this out now, this is the fifth midfielder we've signed. Obviously, if we do stick to a 4-3-3, three, three, not that that's a guaranteed formation, we could end up in something different. But with that kind of being our, you know, quote-unquote North Star, where do you think, looking at the current signings, you know, we, we had this debate a little bit last week, who do we think is a, as a guaranteed starter, you know, quote-unquote lock-on starter, and who maybe you know be moving to a depth piece at this point? Um, I think at this point you have to lock in Marky Barra as our our only holding midfielder, and I imagine Connor McGlynn will also be kind of locked in, especially with his um, you know he he's played with Prince Sadie before, so they'll have some connection there. I think that'll immediately hit the ground running. From there, I'm not sure. You know, we we also have what Joe Brito. We have um, Amos. Amos Shapiro Thompson. I mean, are you are you considering Mark Doyle a midfielder? Is there someone else I'm forgetting? Here? No, no, I, I may have misspoke with the number of, of okay. Midfielders, so yeah, but... I think that gives us four. What we would consider like the midfield midfield. You know, Marky Barr or Connor McGlynn. Okay, okay, <laughs> for sure, for sure, locked on. I I I think so. Outside of that, I I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny is we have a we have a rumor that we have to go over uh, and it's complete speculation. But if this rumor pans out to be true, I don't even think Prince Sadie's the guaranteed, quote unquote, um, starting at, at that right wing anymore. Um, you ready to jump into some weird and wild speculation? <laughs> you know it. <laughs> uh, oh, actually, before we do, I do need to give a shout out. Uh, Mark's birthday, Mark Ibarra uh is uh twelve eighteen, so that's in a couple of days so make sure everyone goes out and gives him some love uh, on his birthday so happy birthday mark uh and welcome to rhode island fc yeah happy birthday so uh back to the speculation i've been talking with multiple pundits with multiple um people within the league and people within other teams just trying to collect information and learn more about what will happen in the in the weeks and months to come with with the 2024 season and i have been let into the inner circle i'm starting to hear things and rumors not just for our club but for other clubs as well and uh in that space in that safe space i've heard that they they there may be potentially another big deal signing uh that could be coming to rhode island fc that is um someone in the attacking space uh someone that would be even potentially a bigger name than jj williams so this person, from a source perspective, I trust very much so because we've we've had some conversations and and they definitely seem to be plugged in. What I don't know is if this information was a little dated and they were actually referencing J.J. Williams, which very much could be the case. But if they were on top of it and this was someone that they had heard of after the fact, um, this opens up a lot of doors and you know just peaks my curiosity on like really who could we have? Because when you think about what's left in the league in terms of talent. There's really only a couple players left. Most of them have already been scooped up or are having their contract options being explored. So their club options to be picked up. And, you know, that's like the Danny Trejos of the world. You're not going to let go of Danny Trejo at, at the fact that he just single handedly, you know, helped win Phoenix Rising's uh, first cup ever. 
So, you know, having said that, there's not a lot of players when you look at the Golden Boot Race and you look at kind of the outcomes in 2023 that beat a player like J.J. Williams. Um, but there is one name that that doesn't have to beat on performance metrics, but maybe beats in the personality and reputation side of things. And uh, especially considering we're Rhode Island of C and we're New England, I think that I wouldn't be surprised if maybe a certain attacking player named Juan Agudelo could be joining Rhode Island FC. That would be interesting, you know, would be kind of like him coming coming back home to the area. But I, I admittedly, I, I, you know, he burst out into the scene many years ago, but he kind of, I don't know, maybe just didn't, you know, not to say he's bad. He just didn't live. There was a lot of hype, which unfortunately is for a lot of U.S. men's national team players. And I think maybe he just didn't live up to that hype. And then I kind of lost track of him. I was actually surprised to see that he was playing in the MLS. I mean, the USL. I mean, it it could be big from from that standpoint. I just don't know performance wise, like what he's been putting out recently. Was that a Freudian slip? Like you actually meant you were even surprised he was still in the MLS at the time he was still in the MLS. <laughs> um, listen, I I don't disagree. I think that when you look, there's very few opportunities in a league like this where you can build on a name a marquee player that is someone by reputation and not by the talent they put on the field. I look at uh, Phoenix rising and I am no, in no way comparing Didier Drogba, Drogba to Juan Agadella. I like, promise you, I would never do that <laughs> to people listening, but I do think that that's a name that people are familiar with to your point. And if you haven't, if you have a chance to go out and buy a player like that, even if his primary role maybe is to support and to build the team legacy, uh, you know, sometimes you make decisions that sell jerseys and I'm I'm not at all saying Juan doesn't still have the talent. I looked up his numbers. They're not as good as Prince's. So maybe it would be a, a fierce competition and it would be one of those things that holds each other accountable for who locks down a starting right wing spot. Historically, Juan has played all three roles, right? He's played central forward. He's played a left wing and he's played a right wing. So he's been all over that attacking space. If there's one spot that would be suspect right now, maybe it's Maybe it's the right wing. Or maybe Juan can challenge both Prince and Mark Doyle. Like to have a player like that, if you can afford it and make it in your budget, you have a you have a depth piece, you have an attacking threat, and you have the like he can play in any of those three positions to help support the front line. I think it's a very good move. On top of that, he was at Birmingham Legion last. Coach would know him, coach would trust the judgment of his former uh head coach. Like, I, I just, I don't think that this would be a bad thing. In fact, I think this is a very smart move and I wish I could confirm it so I could say with more tangibility that this is a real thing. Right now, this is just me connecting dots and saying, why aren't we picking up Juan Agadello? Yeah, it's possible. I didn't think about it. He he also played striker, right? So he could potentially play in any one of those front three roles. Maybe coach wants to go full Liverpool from the, from a few seasons ago where what they had Sadio Mane, Mohamed Salah, uh, they bought Jogo Jota and then from Roberto Firmino. And you would kind of just rotate. And I think maybe there might've been a few times where they're just throwing the kitchen sink and just put all of them in. But you know, if this is going to be a, potentially hardworking running team like we could run those front three into the ground so obviously we're going to need backups you know like you said this this could be like a really good signing if if there's any truth to this yeah whether it's a starting role or a depth piece having Juan Agadello on the team only 
builds the brand, it builds the talent, and it builds the success that we're looking for in the club. Now, the only thing to that speculation that I'll add or end with is I don't know if I'm thinking too limited in that it's a USL talent. We haven't signed anyone outside of the league with the exception. Like, I mean, like more like on an MLS level or on like a higher tiered league. Like we really haven't had any of those kinds of signings. I'm not expecting any, which is why I defaulted to a USL uh, level um, player. But we could also be seeing some exposure or some someone be opened up from a higher talented league. I mean, we, you just never know what happens in, in these kinds of instances. And yeah, just one more thing I was thinking about too. You know, it it is a brand. We are a brand new team, so when you brought it from the perspective of it, it could be a double whammy. Making a a signing to sell jerseys can be a huge thing, especially for a brand new team. There's a lot of hype around this, but you know, we add someone like this, like we just go straight to the moon with. Agreed. Fuel the rocket. I'm ready. All right. So uh, you want to get into some listener questions here? We have too many tonight. We're going to have to start throttling back. I made a mistake by starting to ask people in the Discord instead of only relying on the uh, the website form. So um, in the future, I'm only going to ask these questions if we don't have any questions in the form uh, to the Discord. So if you really want something, uh, please make sure you go to the RaisingAnchorPodcast.com uh, submission form and, and submit it there. So yeah, I mean, I'm as ready as I can be. Yeah, maybe um in the future we'll we'll limit it to two or three or something. Maybe we can even then later on do some sort of like when we don't have a lot of content, like a a Christmas mailbag, and just go through a ton of ridiculous questions. But for tonight here, uh, Urban wants to know what kind of goal celebrations or tifos do you guys recommend? With what we have now for players, what formations do you see as playing most? So that's two questions, Urban. So shame on you. <laughs> um, so first first and foremost, how about this? I'll do the TIFO one. You do the formation one. How about that? We'll split it up. Um, yeah. All right. So TIFO-wise, celebrations. Listen, I, for those of you that didn't, that didn't listen to the earliest episodes, I still want the anchor chain pull to where there's an anchor uh, attached to like a, a, a buoy of sorts that... that releases into the water makes a huge splash and then collectively you know the capo and members of the supporters group they pull the chain you know together as a as a function as a as a as a team building exercise and they pull that um they pull that uh chain or that rank the anchor back out of the water raising anchor you know that's the beauty of it um but knowing that that infrastructure is probably not in place at burn stadium even though people legitimately tried to to like operationalize that and make it a thing um with what you have i think that one you got to get that that um that goal horn like power drill that i saw in one of the usl uh supporter group uh questions so that that has to be the first thing you do and then after that i i the only thing that comes to mind is that there is an anchor of some like some sort on site and I don't know, you flip it like it's a CrossFit tire challenge. I, I don't know what to do at this point. I still haven't really thought about the goal celebrations. Um, what I can say for TIFOs, though, is the very first one should just be, um, uh, and I saw it earlier today, so I promise I'm not stealing because it's recent, but it should just be Peter Griffin with an anchor tattoo doing like the yes, we can do it. Like just have him just have him doing the flex. <laughs> and that's, I mean, everyone's expecting a family guy joke. So Lean into it, embrace it, um, and, and at least do that one time. That That's the best recommendation. You guys are already working on a bunch of great stuff. I've seen some of the behind-the-scenes 
tying things into like Lovecraft and some of the mobster, you know, lobster stuff that we've got going on in the state. So keep up at it, but definitely don't skimp on the uh, the Family Guy opportunity when it comes. For Tifo, can we get evil chip that says I am Providence? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, what about formations? Do you uh, want to tackle that? I, I mean, I, I'm still thinking 433. Um, if me, you know, maybe if we, like the rumors we just talked about, maybe we go out and get Juan Agadello, maybe play some, you know, 442 or something, maybe put two up top with JJ Williams and Juan Agadello. I love know. it. I love it. But yeah, four three three, four four two, probably still four 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 three is one of four three. Four four three. I love it, guys. Coach has figured out a way to add another player Vegas, on the field. Vegas is just gonna push up into the back line and play center back. I mean <laughs> brand he, new he formation. He did do that for San Diego. He would play very high on the line, so you never know. And let's move on to another one here. Andrew wants to know how was the rest of your birthday? Are there any international players that you haven't been announced that we should be expecting? Or is this double question week? <laughs> I, I I guess. They're all squeezing them in. Uh, birthday, you know, I already kind of shared. It was a good time. Uh, really enjoyed. I don't enjoy getting older. I'm, I'm over that already. But, uh, you know, and I'm also kind of over having birthdays in December because all of you summer birthday people enjoy, like, the best weather and having a good old time and then out here it's like what can we do indoors because it's already very cold so uh maybe i'll do like a summer birthday for my for my one of my big milestones coming up um and then as for international players listen that is a fantastic question i don't know of any because when you think about some of the people we've brought on whether they are quote-unquote green card citizens um a lot of them have natural residencies or citizenship or naturalization from from other countries so we don't even know if someone like prince sadie who's a, a liberian national player or former liberian national player like what what is his status does he count as an international player we definitely need to find those things out you know gabriel alves is a brazilian uh we we don't know what constitutes a quote-unquote international if it's where we're physically bringing them from another league and there has to be one of those uh, i think it's like p1 visa transfers for um international play it's, it's a great question we need to learn more i will though say if you've been paying attention to like coach's corner which he dropped his most recent one and you've listened to any interviews in the past from the owners or or our technical staff there's still very much a hyper focus on usl talent and uh, collegiate talent in the d1 areas within new england um, that seems to be one of the kind of root bases that they're looking to set up for that talent to come from international players is not usually mentioned or even referenced and i'm not sure if that's something that we'll we'll see a lot of but if you think that we should see more what what positions would you want because at this point we only have the back line that really is is has you know missing pieces to it and historically clubs in in america they always bring those people up domestically like that's almost always where you you see americans slot in so i think um most likely we're going to kind of stick to to more of those kind of USL and and around that kind of signing um if we were to bring in some sort of international player i'd say at this point looking at what we already have maybe like either midfield or back line probably where i would go agreed agreed i, I wouldn't be surprised if we have one or two but also at the same time i wouldn't be surprised if we didn't so uh just more more to come but We'll, as soon as we hear it, we'll we'll share. All right. Tim here wants to know, 
when do we start getting player interviews now that uh, multiple players have shown you guys the love uh, by saying anchors up in their videos? I mean, listen, what I'm hearing from that question is when do we not have to hear you guys anymore? And when can we hear the people that we actually care about? <laughs> but I, I digress. Uh, you know, it's it, it's really fascinating. We've we've talked to every single player that signed on whether that's in DMs or in person, um, all of them have been very accommodating and have shared that they're super excited to join and that they can't wait to talk to us in an official capacity. Uh, We've been asked from the club to hold off on that until uh, they're either, you know, quote unquote, screened for media training or making sure that they're representing the club in the best capacity. And so, you know, we haven't, to be honest, we haven't even pressed to request that. We ran into several of them and had multiple conversations at the event uh, for the kit release, but we really haven't had that on our radar yet because technically they don't report to the club until um, January for those medical evaluations and physicals before they start uh, their their playing season. So we are trying to be respectful of that. A lot of them are moving here right now, which is a thing that people have to kind of that that's a tough time, right? They're either getting ready to move or they're they're moving right after the holidays. So. We're just trying to be aware that they're in their off season, they're in their vacation time. So, you know, being respectful of that as much as possible. But if any of the players that hear this have already been cleared and want to talk to us, like, let's do it. I'm I'm not against it. But we weren't really anticipating doing player interviews until after the first week of um, preseason when we'll get standard media access to those kinds of players. Yeah, with a... Um... Like you said, a lot of them may be having to deal with some moves and then preseason coming up here in the next few months. Maybe as we get closer to the season, you know, maybe that's something that's more possible. Oh, yeah. I mean, they will come, I promise. But right now we're focusing our interviews on the front office staff and um, and the groups that make the decisions within the club. Uh, but we will get to the players, I promise. Um, so switching, now I get to ask you the questions because we had so many tonight. We we're, we're flipping the script here. Mike wants to know what should the preferred or must have food be at our home tailgates? Um, hot wieners all the way. <laughs> I don't disagree. And that's probably an easier thing to do than, you know, something like, what, like Dell's frozen lemonade. Like you, you can't have frozen lemonade stay in the Do you think last. there'll be a stand there? I mean, I mean, there there they should be. Rhode Island FC knows better. They 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 got that under control. Hopefully, and then what? Probably Cal- um, maybe California Taco will be there too. Who knows? Hey, we've we've covered that. I I yeah. think that an easy food to bring to a tailgate that you don't have to cook or barbecue. You just got to get those pizza strips, party pizza. Just bring it. Oh yeah. Have it ready. Introduce it to the masses. Have long conversations and heated debates with away fans that say this isn't pizza. It's a perfect, it's a perfect uh, what screening mechanism to find out who's a real true Rhode Islander and who's maybe just a fan from Massachusetts <laughs> or Connecticut. Perfect time to uh, start some random scraps with away fans. <laughs> <laughs> Those are only regulated inside the stadium. What happens outside is street law. So, uh, all right. Then moving into the next question. Um, Antonio asks, have you noticed a wealth of non-soccer or sports fans Coming into the fan base, I ask because that is me. I mean, we've met a lot of people now. What's your take on that? Let's see. It's 2023. Let's say I've been a soccer fan for give or take 13 years now. Um, I mean, in that time, I've I've seen the sport grow significantly here. Um, people who've been following it longer than me probably 
seen even way bigger strides. Um, just the more and more we, we, we talk to people, go out into like our everyday life, just run into people with soccer jerseys. It's just kind of, you know, it's it's been one of the fastest growing sports in the States for quite some time now. Yeah, I, uh, I'll double down on that. I remember t- uh, talking trash to uh, an Arsenal supporter who was working at a, a coffee shop in Fox Point um, when Arsenal was at the top of the league last year and he was sitting on cloud nine. I said, wouldn't it be crazy if you just lost it all and like you only had yourselves to blame? <laughs> I never went back into that shop, but he knows. He remembers that conversation. <laughs> um, but to be more specific, I will say, Antonio, we have seen a lot of people come out and become fans of this, not just at the kit reveal, but um, people have reached out. This this club is going to be an anchor in the community. And I do say that as a pun, but I also mean it because, you know, Rhode Island FC is more than just a sport, in my opinion. It, it is something that will become a commonplace name. Uh, it'll be something that unifies the entire state. And it's something that will be a commonality that can be discussed on a Monday morning after the after the game, or it'll be after you attended an event, and maybe it wasn't soccer related, but it was at Tidewater Landing. Um, I, I think I think this is the first time in a long time that Rhode Island, as a state, has something to rally to. Um, and that doesn't exclude um, or I want I don't want to say distract, but like it's something that everyone. There's no reason soccer isn't accessible by everyone. If you don't want to be in the soccer world, it's because you just don't like the sport but you can't hate on the community that it builds around it. And I think it builds a stronger community than any other sport with maybe the exception of gridiron football, but that sport seems to exclude people depending on gender, age, and just overall interest. It's not really cheap to go to a a Patriots game. I mean, it is now because they're so bad, but like you're never going to see a $500 ticket for Rhode Island FC unless it's Messi's here. So uh, yeah. And then uh, let's wrap up here with the last question. So, Brendan, I'm going to paraphrase this because you wrote like 16 paragraphs. Um, so who do we think will secure the naming rights for Tidewater Landing? Hasbro just cut nearly 20% of their workforce. CVS Health is facing retail pharmacy challenges, um, but they do remain Rhode Island's largest company. Do you think they might be in the mix? You mentioned Athletic Brewing Company, but they didn't jump in on the sponsorship for the jerseys. Could that be due to the fact that they see the stadium rights as the better investment? Would love to hear your take. Um, that's a good one. Interesting. Not to get into politics or the state of the world, but yeah, you're definitely seeing a downturn, um, in the economy here. Some businesses struggling, you know, maybe that's, it'd be in athletic brewing stadium at Tidewater Landing. I don't know. Does, I, does that have a good right to it? I don't know if, I don't know. That's, that's a good question. I still think it's athletic because of some of the co-opted investments that the ownership have in the club. They they have partners, they have investors, um, they have partnerships. I guess that's the same thing, same thing as partners. Um, but there's a lot of dots that, that direct to Athletic having some sort of future relationship with the club. Um, but if they go a completely different direction, I, I do see it being a bigger name like CVS Health. I do see it being a bigger name like Amica um, or, or some other name like that. Optimus Prime Stadium. It won't be. I don't. I think Hasbro has just played their cards to to Brendan's point with this reduction. Do you? Could you imagine how bad? And if if this is happening, let this be a let this be a canary in the coal mine to the club. Could you imagine how bad it would be that uh, Hasbro just said that they're reducing their workforce by twenty percent to save three hundred million dollars annually, and then 
they went out and secured a sponsorship to a stadium for soccer at like seven hundred thousand dollars a year to have their name. Like, oh my god! Yeah, no, no, I, I know. We would, joking. we would be, we would be. It would be a black cloud over the club for that. So yeah, I, I think they're off the table. And if they're not, they really should be at this point. Um, you know, not because Hasbro is a bad company, but like it's just the it's bad timing. Uh, you know, toy sales are probably just down years Which after year. I don't year. understand because Hasbro has a gaming division. Have you seen the cost of toys, bro? Well, maybe that's Hasbro's problem. Make a cheaper, better toy. I mean, teddy also, bears were did, only wasn't, four dollars back Beast in the day. Wars, the newest one, was that was that one good? Did anyone like that one? No, nobody did. See, there we go. Nobody <laughs> did. Um, yeah, no, I I think I my bet's still on CVS or Athletic. Um, those have been names that I've heard multiple times. Uh, but you know, if it's big blue bugs, big blue bug solutions, which they follow us, we're not what if they put by. a giant big bug at the stadium too? Like, they, they nibbles like is expanded and even bigger. Oh, and he's the one that drops anchor into the water. Oh, you're getting, you're getting, I've lost you. Um, but yeah, listen, they, Rhode Island FC has made every move with intelligence and they've made every move strategically. So I think whatever they pick will be a continuation of that. Um, I just hope that they're able to find a, a suitor for the stadium that is something local. But if they can't and they like they follow the money as long as it fits their club mission statement and their goals, that's okay too. You know, like we've been focusing so hyper locally that, you know, maybe there's a better option that's more New England specific, or maybe it's something as an American brand that we just have to accept. You know, like at the end of the day, is is Coca-Cola Stadium that bad? I don't I don't know. You know, I I'm I'm not gonna sit here and talk about the pros and cons of coca-cola but i i just you know we have to keep an open mind on whatever that will be yeah and there's a lot of other stadiums throughout the throughout the world um like isn't isn't the camp new like spotify camp new like how many people no one no one's like oh i went to the spotify camp new like no you know you i went to the to the new camp to see barcelona in the same vein people could just be referred to in this as, you know, I went to Tidewater Landing to see RAFC. It's just a sponsor at the end of the day, you know? Right. It's it's an inconvenience when they change it after five years and you have to then, like, name it something else and start calling it that. But other than that, it is just a stadium. It is just a name. So let's uh, let's let's get this done. Let's wrap this up. So uh, just a reminder, we're on break for the holidays and we'll be resuming live shows the second week of January. So like starting break now? Yeah, this is it. I mean, oh, unless man. something calls us out, like maybe a schedule drop, which we may do as an off cycle, but uh, I'm going to enjoy some downtime. This, this, it may not feel like it from the quality of work that we broadcast on, but there's a lot of work that goes into this and uh, I, I want some, I want some time back. <laughs> Need to take some naps. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but I'm not that old, but uh, yeah, so this will be the, the official last pod for the year. Um, we will probably, like I said, talk about the USL schedule once it drops because there's some very interesting uh, tidbits of information that we've already kind of learned about that we want to make sure we go over and share as excitement for the fans. Um, and then there are several interviews uh, already pre-recorded and loaded for you guys to listen to while we are uh, taking that break. But, um, you know, maybe something amazing. Well, maybe if Juan Agadello joins the club, I promise we'll do a quick episode about that. Deal? Okay. Yeah, maybe maybe a quick quick one or something yeah yeah so um but in the event space for the club uh so friday aka today if you're listening uh as the podcast drops so 12 15 rhode island fc will return to roger williams zoo for the holiday lights festival uh if you guys have never been i highly encourage it it's a really fun time uh make sure you say hi to the group and say hi to chip 
And then speaking of Chip, uh, all week, the day after Christmas, um, Chip will be making some surprise appearances around the state. So keep your eyes open and uh, drop some pictures online if you uh, end up be- seeing him in a, in a very, you know, public spot. Uh, and then, you know, the only other event we still have listed is uh, going to be in the new year, new season. Uh, on January 27th, Rhode Island FC will also be at the Rhode Island Brewfest at the Waterfire Arts Center. So those are kind of the events that round out the year. Um, I do want to make sure that we get a chance to say happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and a happy new year to all of our listeners and all of our rap fans. Uh, I really appreciate all of you. Uh, I know that you guys sustain us continuing to do this and just thank you for all of your kind words, your critique, feedback, and uh, your pleasantries online. So um, thanks. Thanks to all you guys. Yeah. Thank you guys. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Feliz Navidad. Prospero Año. Um, we're done today, aren't we? Did you just one up me? Did you add like seven more holidays? I'm gonna happy I Boxing just, Day. How about that? Happy Boxing Day. That's a, that's an important one. I literally just said the same ones in Spanish. <laughs> Not all of them. I don't know how to say happy holidays in Spanish. All right, well, let's. I'm getting delirious here. Let's let's wrap this up, let's guys. Get out of here. We got some eggnog and brandy somewhere for us, right? <laughs> Yeah, so uh, we've got, you know, social medias and stuff here. So, guys, check us out on Twitter, Threads, and TikTok at RAFC Podcast, Instagram at Raising Anchor, and there's that website, www.raisinganchorpodcast.com. You know we have a hat on there that people wanted to buy? Lots of people want to buy it. Yeah. You can't get in in time for the holidays now, unfortunately. That window is closed. But if you do want to buy it, you should buy it. It's there. Hey, happy holidays and anchors up. Happy holidays, anchors up. <laughs>